everybody. Welcome to episode 26 of The Book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And I feel like this is a coming home. Like, we're actually in my house recording. We haven't done this for, like, I think (laughs) two months. Two months? Wow. It feels like maybe a month and a half. Two episodes. So, yeah. It's exciting. It's nice to be back. It's nice to have cool weather. It's September 1st as we're recording this, and it's deliciously cool outside yeah beautiful day and I feel like it's kind of like I love the back to school week which it is around here and I feel like you know Chris and I we're back at it yes. in our in our chairs we're used to sitting at the <laughs> desk we're used to sitting at so hi everybody thanks for joining us <laughs> and um I wanted to start with uh the center for fiction which is a place that I have been I don't think we've been to an event together there I went to an event there um I can't even remember what month it was now, but they just had an announcement of their sh- their fiction shortlist first novel prize. Um, they've been doing this since 2006, and it's for the best debut novel of the year. The winner will be announced on Tuesday, December 5th, and the winner gets a $10,000 prize. Nice. Everyone who's shortlisted gets a $1,000 prize. So I thought, you know, I would do you all the disservice of adding potentially, um, let's see, seven new books to your reading list. I'm a big fan of debut novels, so when I see a list of debut novels, I get kind of excited. So I'm just going to read them to you quickly, and reminder, they will be in the show notes. Um, there's only one title that I recognize that, Chris, you and I went to an event about this one, so... So the the seven are As Lie is to Grin by Simeon Marsalis, Empire of Glass by Caitlin Solomine, Mikhail and Margarita by Julie Lextrom Himes. Oh yeah. Which is the woman we saw at Savoy. I didn't realize that was so new. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. The second Mrs. Hockaday by Susan Rivers. Spaceman in Bohemia by Jaroslav Kalfar. Tiger Pelt by Annabelle Kim. And What to Do About the Solomons by Bethany Ball, Hmm. which I think is I had heard of. That's the only book of the of the seven that I'd heard of other than the one that the event that we went to. So, yeah, interesting list. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think I've heard of those either. Are they uh, New York authors or from? No, I think they're from anywhere. Yeah, I don't I didn't read, you know, the it's interesting, the list that they give doesn't have any background on the award. I'm sure that I could read more about it online. Um, I know that they have a benefit and awards dinner on the 5th that I was going to look, look into but haven't had a chance to yet. So maybe more to come on an upcoming episode about that. Maybe we'll go. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't go with you that event that you went to, but Laura and I did stop in there one day. Okay. Because yeah. on their first floor they have that used bookstore. Yeah. And some new books too, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's right kind home. of cool. And that's in Manhattan. I don't know if yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, that's right. Here. That's in um, pretty close walkable from Grand Central. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice little trip that we can do easily from here. Yeah. And I had something else, but you had some oh, things. Oh, yeah. So I just wanted to mention a couple new podcasts on the block. Um, one is Bibliophile, and that is put out by Golden Hair Books in Edinburgh, Scotland. Ooh, fun. Yeah, it's a two booksellers who talk books. So that's, it's pretty interesting. They have, there are a couple episodes in. Literary Atlanta is another one. And that is done by Allison Law. Sounds familiar. What is that? She's, we met her at Book Expo. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. 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 We were going to have coffee with her and then we just awkwardly stood there talking. And I think, (laughs) sorry, Allison. In the middle of the (laughs) Javits. I know. I think we were just a little bit overwhelmed and 
Yeah, so but it was great to meet her briefly, and she started this podcast. And it's a really interesting one because she interviews authors, and she's a really good interviewer. She interviews a lot of authors in the Atlanta area and, and people coming to the Decatur Book Festival. Very cool. And then the last one, it's not specifically book-related at all, but it is writing-related in a way. Uh, my friend Ryan, who is in Chicago, he writes music under the name Sleeping at Last, and he started a podcast called The Sleeping at Last Podcast. And what he does is he talks about how he came to write a certain song, and he'll even be debuting some songs on that podcast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I mean, he's his he, Ryan O'Neill is his name, and he, a lot of people may not know him just in the general public, but you hear his songs on TV shows from, um, wow, my mind just went blank. What is that hospital one? Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard him on Supergirl recently. He's done a lot of big projects around the world as well, so... I think that'll be interesting, and he has a great, great voice. So, nice. yeah, three new podcasts. Podcasts are everywhere. They are. It's exciting. It I is love exciting. It. I mean, it's it's so cool. People who miss the days of good radio, I think it's podcasts are definitely filling that niche. Yeah, yeah. I niche. love podcasts. I mean, I have to admit, I haven't listened to an audiobook in a long time, and part of it is. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying podcasts. I know, you know? right? Yeah, same yeah. here. Yeah, it's interesting. And I have a car trip coming up at the end of September, and I'm thinking, am I going to bother? Am I going to bother to get an audiobook, which I usually do, or can I just get caught up on my podcast, which is kind of a nice idea. Yeah. Yeah. I love the podcast. I mean, I, I listen to, like, Rachel Maddow yeah. and her podcast. I mean, that's a recording of the show the night before. Right. But, you know, she's helping to keep me sane. Well, it's like listening on demand, I think, is what's nice about it. You know, it's a change in the way that we're all just consuming our information, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, so. definitely. So I have a follow-up, too, from episode 24, also known as the episode where we went very long. <laughs> and, and I started to talk really fast at the end because I had so much to talk about. So I just wanted to follow up on that publisher, Chelsea Green Publishing, which I had mentioned. Um, they are known as a kind of a the leading publisher, essentially, of books about organic farming and gardening, homesteading, local food, natural building, restorative living, sustainable economics, and things like that. And um, they have really cool books, and they have a really cool website that I encourage you to go to. You also can get a discount. I mean, they, they have some books that are discounted, but they also just offer nice discounts, like if you sign up for their newsletter and things mm -hmm. like that. And the the author that I met when I was visiting Sterling College was Sander Katz, and he's known for the book Art of Fermentation, which was the 2013 James Beard Foundation Book Award for reference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to admit, Jacob and I, my son Jacob and I had a little laugh because my friends who traveled up to Sterling with us were there for the week to do this Art of Fermentation class. And Jacob and I are kind of like, you know, how many pickles can a person make in a week, you know? But fermentation is, some of you out there probably know, much more involved than that. So they were making yogurts and kefirs and all sorts of different um, kvass, which is like another kind of a drink. And, you know, and pickling diff many different sorts of things and making tempeh. It's, it's much more involved than Jacob and I, you know, our little, you know, snide giggle. So... <laughs> I encourage you, if you're at all interested in fermentation, to check out um, Sanders' book, The Art of Fermentation. So, cool. I mean, yeah. isn't that the case? 
you hear of something you think, well, that's interesting, but a little whatever. Right. But then when you start digging into it, there's this whole new world yeah. that's out there. Yeah, and much more involved. And the book is beautiful. It has beautiful pictures in it and um, really well done. And all of Chelsea Green's books that I got to see in person are the same. They're very beautifully designed, lots of nice photos and things like that. So I highly recommend cool. it. The covers from here, Emily has a catalog in front yeah. of her, and the, the covers look really beautiful from here. Trees, yeah. mountains, it looks like a kitty cat. Yeah, there's a book called Tamed and Untamed, Close Encounters of the Animal Kind. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then Matter and Desire, an Erotic Ecology. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, so lots and lots of different kinds of, you know, books I highly recommend. And I'll put a link to their website in the show notes. Cool. I'm sure the Grand Tetons are mentioned in that book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that took me a minute, Chris. Good one. <laughs> Very cool. So, are we ready to talk about what we've just read? Yeah, jo- before we do that, let's oh. talk briefly and thank John oh, yes. for coming on, again, yeah. coming on the show. John Valerie was episode 25. We just posted that earlier today. Yeah, our mystery man. Our mystery man. Um, So give that a listen. He throws out a lot of great upcoming reads and and talks about some past uh, favorites as well. So if you've ever wondered what John Valerie sounds like, here's your chance. That's right. Actually, you can also see what he looks like on our website. I put a cute little picture that he took of us in the Russell Library. Yeah, a little selfie. Yeah. Yeah. And we were joking, too, saying that... um, I might need a restraining order against Louise Penny fans <laughs> after they hear what I say. Uh, yeah. So let's leave yeah, that. Yeah. There, there's a little, what do you call that? Um, like a little teaser. 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 Teaser for episode 25. Yeah. Uh, All right. Now can we talk about what we've just read? I jumped the gun. Uh, you know, no, we can't. I, I just have to acknowledge the passing of Louise Hay. Oh, right. <laughs> We're going to need to do a little editing I know. already. No, that's okay. okay. Yeah. Our, re- our readers, our listeners understand. Yeah, yeah so Louise Hay, um, some of you may know her as kind of like the godmother of the self-help movement. She's considered a lot. Um, but one of her most famous books is You Can Heal Your Life, which made a huge impact on a lot of people, including me and, and definitely my wife, Laura, who wrote a wonderful tribute to the impact that Louise Hay had on her life. And yeah. I mean, she was 90. She lived, she died of natural causes. She lived a, a good long life. Good for her. But yeah. it's pretty big loss. I don't mean good for her that she died. I mean, yeah. good for her for living yes. a long life. Yeah. You well, know? you know, and she fought cancer. She had cancer. And a lot of people kind of poo-pooed her because they misconstrue her philosophy of saying that, like, you cause your own cancer. Mm-hmm. And what she's saying is that, if you don't take care of your emotional stuff, it can come out in your body in different ways. Right. And look at heart disease. That. I mean, yeah. scientists, doctors have pretty much proven that emotional blockage can cause heart blockage. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. I had a point there. I lost my point. Anyway. Yeah. R.I.P. Yes. All right. Now we can talk about Just Read. Have you read anything? <laughs> I did. I've, I've read one book. I finished one book. It's Idle Fears, a Thomas Lynch novel by Stephanie Gale. And this is a book I'm reading for Criminal Element. It comes out next Tuesday. I believe that is the 5th of September. 
It's from Seventh Street Books. They're out of Amherst, New York. This, so this is the second book in the series, Chief Lynch. He's the police chief of a small town in Connecticut. I didn't read the first book, but in that book he's outed. Mm. That's part of the, the suspense and the action of that first book. And in the second book now he's dealing with the fallout of having been outed. It's set in 1997, which was a much different world for gay people. Indeed, yeah. And prominent, you know, political public servants. Mm -hmm. uh, it involves a couple different mysteries are involved in here. The main one is the disappearance of a young boy who's, I think he's six. He goes missing and he has a medical condition that renders him susceptible to cold and, and hot weather, extremes of weather. He can't regulate his body temperature. Hmm. And there's a snowstorm coming. It's a couple days before Christmas. There are homophobic slurs being made in anonymous phone calls to the chief's home off home number his work number as well but they use the new technology of star 69 oh, God. and they're keeping a log of who these people <laughs> yeah, are yeah. um there's also a candy shop that gets turned over one night and gay slurs are written on the wall there's mm. arson so there's a lot going on in the book but i i think the author does a really good job of weaving all of those investigations throughout uh the one issue i had with the book was a kind of a bad sex scene, a very explicit sex scene, which it's a pretty much a page-long scene of fellatio. Mm. And I kind of feel like if this were, a, if it were a, a tryst between a man and a woman, I don't think this would fly. Mm. I think because it's two men, maybe it flew. Mm. But I still think it's, it's kind of too explicit, and it's not in harmony with the rest of the book. And I'm certainly no prude about sex at all, but there was one funny line in the whole scene that I have to read. Here we go. I reached up and played with his testicles like they were Chinese therapy balls. <laughs> I mean, that made me LOL, as the kids say. Um, <laughs> But otherwise, I think it was a pretty cool, pretty cool read. Um, it was neat to read a book set in Connecticut with some Connecticut locations involved in mm -hmm. the investigation, like the Wallingford Library, oh, neat. Uh, yeah. Stony Creek, and wow. in the islands are mentioned. So yeah, it was pretty cool. It challenges too what we talked about in episode twenty-five with John about um, series and picking mm -hmm. up a book mm -hmm. and you know whether the book is a, can act as a standalone. So did you feel like? entering in, you know, num book number two, that it was a standalone? I do. Okay. You know, it actually made me want to go back and read the first one oh, and well, just see, good. like, how did that play out? Yeah. You know, somebody who I also came out, well, you're always coming out every day as a gay person. There's no one grand coming out. Mm -hmm. I think when people say they've come out, it's usually involving their family. That's right. the big coming out yeah. for a lot of people. Um, so I came out, I guess, it, yeah, it was, the, well, it was the late 80s, actually. So that time period is my coming of age time period yeah. and everything. So I would be interested to read the first one to see how all that is handled. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, that It was really big in the 90s, too, coming out, forcing people out of the closet. I remember sitting around with friends speculating on whether or not Katie Lang was gay. Oh, yeah. And all these other stars who have since yeah. come out. Because right. it's like, hello, Katie Lang's right. not a lesbian, please. Right. Um, <laughs> You know, we would sit around. Newsflash. We'd sit around and have arguments about right, that because yeah. you know you can never tell with artists. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. So yeah. it made me want to go back and read the first one, and I will hunt it down and, yeah. and read it. That's cool. Yeah. Good. So again, that was Idle Fears by Stephanie Gale. 
And I read a book that has been talked about on the podcast several times before, so I won't spend too much time on it, but it was The Leavers by Lisa Ko. And um, I read this for one of my book clubs. And um, this is the story of Deming and his mother, and they are immigrants to this country. And there's a, a kind of a mystery thread throughout the book of the mother ends up getting sent back to China and Deming, her son, ends up being adopted by a very lily-white, waspy family in the States. And he doesn't understand where his mother went. There's been no contact with his mother. So the, the book evolves, and he ends up finding his mother towards the end of the book. And some of the mystery of what happened to her is explained. Mm -hmm. And um, we got to meet Le the author Lisa Coe at Booktopia up in Vermont. And I thought it was a very well-written debut novel. But I also felt like she tried to do way too much with it. Mm -hmm. So I actually didn't love it. I mean, I got through it, but I didn't love it. And um, I am, however, I have to say, caveat, looking forward to what she has come out next. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes debut novelists try to do too much. Yeah. You know, they have a lot to say and they try to put it in one book, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I also, one of the people that I'm in book club with did mention that, you know, it is important that the immigrant story be told and that this isn't a book that we've seen really before this subject matter about, you know, there were two things that were dealt with. One, that a lot of times when um, immigrants come to this country and have children, they end up sending their children back to their native land to be raised while they stay in the States and try to earn a living and send money back to, you know, to their child and then eventually can bring their child back to the country, which mm -hmm. is what happened. But then also, I don't want to ruin, you know, what happened to the mother, but, you know, reasons why sometimes the families end up getting separated again. And it's so critical to the parents that their ch children get the chance to be raised in the States and get an education in the States that they make really tough choices. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that the story be told. Um, I just felt like the book, there was a little too much going on with the book. Yeah, That's yeah it was all. Yeah. quite ambitious. Yes, is, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, re I really enjoyed it very yeah. much. So yeah. I look forward to seeing what she does yeah, next as well. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Although it took her, I want can't remember exactly, but I want to say like six or seven years to write this book. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we won't have to wait so long to get her second book. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then I also, um, this might be a cheat to say I just read it, because I guess cookbooks are kind of a reading in process constantly or over time. But I did, when we went to the Pequot, Pequot Library sale, I picked up a great cookbook called The Breakfast Book mm. by Marion Cunningham. And for those of you in the cookbook world, you'll know she's kind of, um, she's an old, old hat at cooking and she's been around a really long time I'm pretty sure she's passed away but I don't want to misspeak I don't know that with authority but um this is a classic that was published in 1997 cooking breakfast and breakfast food is my favorite kind of food to cook because mm -hmm. it involves a lot of baking typically and um it has 288 recipes wow. and I've made two to date and they are fantastic just really solid recipes so if you come across this at your library or at a library sale I highly recommend 
you add it to your cookbook shelves, yeah. I guess. I have shelves of cookbooks. <laughs> <laughs> so can you, would you mind describing one of the recipes you made? Sure. To... I made a, um, I'm always looking for a good bran muffin recipe. And bran muffins can be tricky because they can be kind of dry or not very flavorful. Mm. And her recipe is a combination banana bran muffin. Mm, Super moist, made with buttermilk, which I substituted kefir because I didn't have buttermilk. And you can do that. You can substitute yogurt and kefir and things like that for buttermilk and recipes. Mm. And they were delicious. And I had given some away, and I was sad that I gave some away because <laughs> <laughs> Jacob was home, and we <laughs> ate through them much too quickly. But, um, yeah, and then I also made a cornbread muffin recipe that she had that um, I had gone blueberry picking in Vermont, so I made the cornbread recipe but then threw a bunch of blueberries in, and it was so summery mm, and yummy. yummy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, and she just, she kind of talks about breakfast and how you can put different things together. Like things I don't usually serve for breakfast, like cheese, for example, mm-hmm. you know, put slices of cheese out and fruits and things like that. So, um, really lovely book. Mm, sounds yeah. delicious. Yeah. Wow. I know. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, my, my baking, this is my baking experience of the week. Laura was gone for a couple of days and there's no food in the house. I'm scrounging around to look for something. And I, I see Bisquick. <laughs> <laughs> Bisquick is great. I put in some pumpkin spice and some cinnamon, and then I had me some biscuits. <laughs> right on. Ooh, that sounds so nice and fall in spirit. You go, girl. Did you put some honey and butter and all the good stuff on yeah, them? Oh, good. Yeah. That's what really matters. Yeah. I think biscuits are just a vehicle for butter, personally. <laughs> exactly. Because I love butter. Yeah. Yeah. Yum. Food. My stomach literally just growled as we said <laughs> butter and biscuits. <laughs> Maybe we should start having that as a feature of our recording days when we're here. Like that, I was going to say, we, but come on, be realistic. You bake something, and then I can bring the coffee. And, Ooh, you know, right on. Have a little coffee clutch here while we're that talking good to me. Sorry, guys, we're going to be talking with our mouthful yeah. moving forward, which I'm very good at. I talk with my mouthful all the time. <laughs> So what are you currently reading, Chris? Well, I have started the Louise Penny new release that just came out on Tuesday, Glass Houses. I had this whole day planned of not doing anything but getting my hair done, going to get the book, and then reading with Thai food. Yeah, you had it planned out. The hair happened, the book happened, the book purchase happened, I should say. The food happened, and then the reading did not happen. I I was thinking about you all day as I I wasn't reading, thinking at least one of us is reading. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I had work things that came up. I have a big project that really got in the way. Um, So I did a little bit of reading, like maybe a chapter or two. I'm on page 57 at this point, so... And isn't yeah. it, is this the one John was talking about is really long? Or is that, no, that was a different book. He, I mean, it is a, it, I don't know, it's not, I don't think it's over 500, okay. but it's not like a short 200 yeah. pager or anything like that. So you're not so. very far into it. No, I'm not very no. far into it at all, but I'm really, of course, sucked in and I love the characters. And I just, for those of you who listen to episode 25 and you hear us talking about Louise Penny... And whether or not to read things in chronological order. I just think the books are so much richer Mm. when you have all that background of the character development. Because that's one thing that Penny does so well, is this overarching character development. When I was reading, I was trying to imagine, like, what would it be like if you don't know these characters and you just come to this book? Right. 
how much will you care about the characters? Yeah. So it's a question I can never answer, obviously, because I can't. You're knee deep in them. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting as you're saying this, it occurs to me like there's a difference. Because part of me, after we talked about it and talked about how the first three are harder to get through than the others, like maybe I'll just pick up on four, you know? And then their characters haven't been as developed in four as they have in 13. This is 13, right? Yes. You know, there's a thought behind that. There's a thought, but there is so much development. There's so much groundwork laid in those first couple. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer. So what is the weekend looking like? Are you going to be able to dig in and get to it and go dark a little bit this weekend and maybe finish it? Oh, I'll probably finish it by the weekend, I would think, or over the weekend, because I'll have time. I mean, we work over the weekend, but I will have time. Well, that makes me happy, because I think, wasn't that even the big rainy day? Wasn't Tuesday the, or maybe that was Monday. I can't, we had a really stormy day this week. It was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of you, like, cuddled up and reading, but. That didn't happen. I'm sorry. Well, I have not been reading either. I mean, it's to the point of, like problem in my life but um so I'm still reading the 12 lives of Samuel Hawley the lives that won't I can't get through and this I've had to put it down twice now I've put it down to read the levers and I put it down to read the grapes of wrath and I'm not someone who steps back into books very well at all Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of struggling with it and I almost I'm I'm reading it on my e-reader which also is a struggle for me sometimes because even when it gives you a percentage, you're kind of like, I don't really know how much my commitment still is to this thing mm-hmm. and this thing, listen, <laughs> this thing I have to get through. And um, so even I'm in the 80th percentiles and yesterday I was like, maybe I should just DNF this thing, which yeah. is not something I do, as you know. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it again today and see how I do, but um, it is a bit, a bit of a slog for me, this one. Not that I'm not enjoying it. I just feel like because I stepped in and out of it, I just don't feel that attached to the characters, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, ironically, though, the, the author is Hannah Tinty, and her book, The Good Thief, was the winner of the Center for Fiction's debut novel prize oh, very cool. in 2008. So I thought that was funny as I was looking, you know, saw this short list of Center for Fiction and looked at the past winners. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, she's a good writer. I'm enjoying it. I'm just not getting through it and seeing all the other books piling up that I want to read. So if I don't finish it today, I have a feeling I'm not going to stick with it over the weekend. Okay. We'll see. Check back next episode. You'll find out, everybody. Um, I'm also reading a book that came in through Interlibrary Loan that I requested a long time ago when we first started talking about reading The Grapes of Wrath. And this book is On Reading The Grapes of Wrath by Susan Schilling Law. Mm. I'm only just at the very beginning. and But she's she talks about putting The Grapes of Wrath into context and, and the different levels that Steinbeck wove throughout. Um, one of the little dog earmarks I have here is Steinbeck brings readers to such faith, faith in our own species. And I have to say, I did not have faith in my own species when I finished reading The Grapes of Wrath. Hmm. I did, because I feel like if you look at how they helped each other, you know, I mean, people helped each other along the way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that's where the faith lied. I don't have faith in necessarily the... um, 
the divide of being able to be crossed, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, can we rebuild the middle class and help elevate the poor and things like that? That I have less faith in, but it did, it gave me faith in humankind's ability to help each other in times of trial, you know? Mm. So. Yeah, I guess I, I was too hooked on the, the class divide mm-hmm. and the complete absence of anybody other than white people. So it just made me feel like you only help your own is kind of the feeling I got at the end. And I know, you know, there's that scene where the family, they can't even afford a vehicle, but they build a trailer and they Mm -hmm. pull it out to the road and wait for somebody to come along. And somebody comes along and hitches them up and drives them out to California. And Mm -hmm. what a statement of faith that is. You know, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Have faith in the universe or God. Yeah, so I, that's one of the reasons I, I t- check the book out. I do, I'll probably read it very slowly, but mm. I want to understand my reaction to The Grapes of Wrath yeah. a bit more and just other people's as well. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, that's cool. I'll be looking forward to hearing more as you read it. And and our listeners will get to hear us talk about The Grapes of Wrath probably oh, for the next I, year, I, which is yeah, okay. You I know, think, yeah. it's a book to be talked about. I think really. it's going to linger. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So any Biblio adventures on your end, Chris? Only one, mm-hmm. which was really a, a, a good time. Fiona Davis, a uh, writer, was at RJ Julia, and she's a, the stepsister of a friend who invited us to go to the event. The event hadn't been on my radar. So we went, Laura and I both went, and Fiona Davis is lovely. I mean, she was such a delight. There were It was in the upstairs space. So it was a smaller crowd, yeah. but yeah. it was with, we were packed in there. I kind of like it when that happens. Yeah, yeah, like really packed in. And I guess the last time she was there for her first book, she had a much smaller crowd. So I imagine when her yeah. next book comes out, she'll be downstairs in the bigger space. But her first book is The Dollhouse. That came out in 2016. And her new book is The Address, which just came out. And she... Fiona is somebody who gets fascinated by buildings. She lives in New York City. And the first book, The Dollhouse, was about the Barbizon Hotel, where women live. It's still, I guess, rent-controlled. And I'm not really sure if it was models. I think models lived there back in the day. And so some of them still live there, and they're very private. Laura's reading that book um, right now and, and enjoying it. The address is about the Dakota building, in New York City, which is infamous for being the setting of Rosemary's Baby. Oh, gosh. It's where John Lennon was assassinated out front. He lived there. So she was fascinated with that building, and it is, you know, rich people live there, you know, the 1%, or maybe the 10%. I'm not really sure. I'm not into percentages. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, people like, you know, famous people live there, Roberta Flack, and... And other folks. Um, and, and she writes, these are historical novels that are split between the historical time period and then current day. Ooh, I so like that. that. Yeah. I like it when they do that a lot. Yeah, so I'll I'll be reading one or both of them. I might start with the address because I am really interested in the Dakota building mm-hmm. from reading Rosemary's Baby, which was a really good book. I mean, I know a lot of people like the movie, and I think the movie's good too. But the book is really awesome, too, and very feminist. Oh, interesting. For its day. Huh. I've never read it, and I don't think I've seen the movie. I mean, I think I've seen, like, scenes from the movie, you know, Mm -hmm. how you see stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. I've never watched the movie. Yeah, it's a really good movie if you want to watch it. I'll watch it with you if you need somebody to... Okay. 
Okay. Hold your hand. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of scary. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Oh, maybe I yeah. don't want to watch it. Well, but it's, you know, it's not... Uh, slashery or anything like that it's suspenseful okay and the okay. devil is there too you know oh okay. so <laughs> does everyone have their eyeballs <laughs> yes i don't think any eyeballs pop out i mean there's nothing there's nothing gruesome or gross that's an inside joke from episode 25 yes. in case anyone's wondering <laughs> very cool yeah so that was fiona davis check out her new book the address I didn't get anywhere. I didn't get to, I, I was supposed to go last week to that um, cooking for Picasso, you oh, know, right. that done by Bank Street, not Bank Street, Bank, Bank Books? Bank Square Books. Bank Square Books. Yeah. And the, um, and the art museum. And I had so many guests in my house last week. I couldn't, even though the temptation to hightail it <laughs> appeared, but I couldn't get out of town. So um, I went to the Russell Library with you. That was my big, you know, yeah. book adventure last week. So... Yeah. Well, and you were catching up, too, from being gone for the yeah. week. And, yeah. Yeah. So. Still catching up. Well, our upcoming jaunt yeah. will be happening later this month. We'll, we'll be seeing Min Jin Lee. Mm-hmm. We talked about that in yeah. episode 24, I believe. And then also our local library, the Guilford Free Library, is having their annual fall book sale. Right. I think the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. So we will be going to that. Yes. Yeah, because it's a, it's a great time. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, as much as I was kind of um, being hard on myself for the stack of books I brought home from the Pequot sale, mm-hmm. I've been looking at the books and reading the books that I got there. And Jacob, my son, I bought books for him there, and he's been reading them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I chose well, Absolutely. even though I added to my stacks. Yeah. But... Um, so I'm looking forward to the Guilford Library sale because yeah. I I walked through it last year, I think maybe with you, but I was really like no buying of books. Yeah. But this year I'm going to buy some books. Yeah, I think last year I only bought a couple. Yeah. I think the year before I kind of went a little crazy. But um, I think one of the things I like about the library sales is looking for older treasures now. I think that might be what I do as opposed to looking for newer-ish releases and yeah. stuff because you can still get those anywhere. Yeah. And I'm really... I spent some time the other day going through my books and starting to do a, a call mm-hmm. for... I don't, do we want to talk about our little free library? Sure, sure. So um, I'll let Emily talk more about that, but I was thinking like, okay, here's a stack I could donate to the library. Here's a stack I could put in our little free library. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a stack for the Little Free Library, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So our friend, our mutual friend, Emily, who's my neighbor up the street, listened to our episode a while back now where we talked about Little Free Libraries, and she got inspired, and she got this cool book out of the library, which I don't remember the title of, but I'll put it in the show notes, that's about Little Free Libraries, and um, shows pictures of all manner of libraries that people have done. And she started to call around town and talked, went to the town hall and asked about, you know, where we could put a little free library, which was kind of funny because the person at town hall, which is like three doors down from the Guilford Library, was like, you know, we have a library in town. (laughs) She's like, yeah, that's not what this is, you know. So anyway, long story short, she did tons of research. She's a reporter by trade, you know, she's a writer. And so she, I think she liked that part, but ended up taking some of those um, unutilized 
newspaper bins is that what yeah, you like call the free them? free literature stands right that, with the little door that opens up in the front right that you yeah. see at train stations and outside like we have them outside the post office and you'll see them on, you know, the, streets. on the streets yeah, yeah. And there were a couple that she takes the train into New York a lot that she had been watching that were never used and never used and never used. So she fancied them up with a little bit of, you know, cool numbers and tape and signs and wrote on them little free libraries. And she's made two of them. And they're outside the Guilford train station. And they are hot. Yes. They're getting a lot of use. Seemingly more people are taking than putting in, which Mm -hmm. doesn't bother me a bit. I mean... The theme of their little free libraries is supposed to be take one, you know, leave one. But I always feel like if people are taking books and reading them, I'm thrilled. And we certainly have enough books that we can keep adding to it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And I I think sometimes when you first spot a new little free library, you may not have a book on you. Right. To do the trade. So I think eventually once the regular commuters or even the periodic commuters get used to it being there, they'll... They'll start replenishing it in that way, probably. But even if they don't, like you said, we have a ton of books. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah. thank you, Emily, for, yes, for all that you. work. So now Guilford, and when I said our free library, I meant Guilford right. has a new little yeah. free library on the block. Yes, let's be clear. Emily, not this Emily, did all the heavy yes, lifting on yes. this. So, um, but we're just enjoying the glory because she heard about it through us. So. Um, and then I also have, I do have another um, one event that I'm hoping to get to at RJ's in Madison next week. The author's name is Joyce Maynard, and she has a new memoir called The Best of Us. And um, it kind of um, spoke to me when I read about this because she met a man in her late 50s and she hadn't been with someone for a really long time and they got married and then something, I think, tragic happened to him. Mm-hmm. He, I think he was ill or something like that. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't read it. And she wrote a memoir about the experience. So I'm anxious to go see her um, at RJ next week. So more to come on that. So upcoming reads. Well, upcoming reads. Uh, I I have a couple things. So you wanted to talk about the. the oh yeah, the, the um, readers imbibing peril. I said that correctly, yeah. right? Imbibing yeah. readers imbibing peril. R I P, R I P twelve to be exact. Now this is a a reading challenge, a reading event, uh, that a book blogger started twelve years ago. This is the twelfth time they're doing it. Unfortunately, I don't remember the name of his blog. Uh, but Andy and Heather, who are two book bloggers that have been around for a long time, have taken over the reading event. And so it's Estella's Revenge, that's Andy's blog, and then Heather's is My Capricious Life. Capricious is another word I have a problem with. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, I okay, love that word. Yeah. Um, so they're hosting this event. It's September and October. And it's all about celebrating reading, paranormal stuff, horror books, mystery, thriller, you know, all the kind of like dark, yummy, fall fiction type books and nonfiction too. Also watching movies. So they're, they're, they'll be hosting that. We'll put the link in the show notes for anybody who wants to join in and check it out. You don't have to be a blogger to participate or, you know, to obviously read and comment on, on their blogs. Uh, but people who are participating will be reviewing the books and movies and whatnot that they're that everybody's reading and, and talking about. And they're doing a joint read too of the Slade House. Can't remember the author's the, name. 
That's um, oh, Slate, S-L-A-T-E. Isn't that Mitchell? I think it might be him. Yeah. Yeah. What's his first name? I've got a book. I'm going to stand up and there's a... Mm-hmm. I don't have that book, but I have another one of his. David Mitchell. David Mitchell. Yeah, I believe that's him. So they'll be doing a joint read with that. I don't think I'm going to read that because I have so many other things planned. And I've been kind of like working on my stack to read for October because I'm a big Dracula fan, as everybody knows. So I have a couple that I... um. I'm kind of like messing around with my pile to read oh, for that. Nice. But I also do want to watch um, Nosferatu, mm. which I've never seen. The vampire classic that came out, like, it's, a, what, in the 20s maybe or something? I mean, it predates Bela Lugosi's Dracula. And then I also wanted to watch Coppola's Dracula that came out in the 90s. And I despised it when it came out. Because he, it, it, the title is Bram Stoker's Dracula. And had he not put Bram Stoker's in front of the word Dracula, I would have been okay. And it is a faithful telling of Stoker's tale. But he also adds new storylines, which drives me nuts. Mm. So it's not Bram Stoker's, you know? It is another takeoff on that. So but anyway, I'm going to give it another watch. It was, like I said, it was in the 90s during the height of the AIDS epidemic as well. So there was like a overabundance of blood. He was mm. making statements. Winona Ryder starred in it. Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Yeah, so we'll I'll see be... how you feel about it on watching it in the year 2017, mm-hmm. having, you know, different feelings about it maybe. Yeah. More to come. Well, I'm a little bit more flexible about people taking stories and doing things with them. In your older and, age. And my, my, my wisdom. <laughs> your advanced age. age. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I've always appreciated a good mashup. Mm-hmm. But again, like I said, I just don't like that he said Bram Stoker's right. Dracula. If you're going to do Bram Stoker's Dracula, stick to the fucking story. Amen, sister. All right. So, upcoming <laughs> reads. What do you... <laughs> Well, ironically, it's kind of funny me being, you know, not being a mystery reader and you're talking about that. And then we just had, you know, our mystery man on episode 25. Lo and behold, I have two mysteries that are my upcoming reads. One of them is um, Unraveling Oliver by Liz Nugent. And this is a book I got at Book Expo. And it was the winner of, I think, like the Irish Mystery Award or something like that. So I'm really interested to read it. Um, it sounds very compelling, and it was on sale on August 22nd, so it's out oh, okay. as of last oh. week. So, again, that was Unraveling Oliver by Liz Nugent. And then we had um, a publicist reach out to uh, the book Cougars, and um, she reached out about a book called Peregrine Island by Diane B. Saxton, who is a pretty well-thought-of um, journalist by trade. This is her first book. And it has won all manners of literary awards. It's won the 2017 um, National Indie Excellence Award for Regional Fiction Northeast, the Distinguished Favorite in Literary Fiction by Independent Press Awards, the International Book Awards Finalist for Literary Fiction, the National Indie Excellence Award Finalist for Fiction. I guess those are finalists. Those aren't winners. but And then the Bronze Award for U.S. Northeast Fiction from the Independent Publisher Book Awards. Wow. So it's getting some notice. It takes place in um, Connecticut, oh, which neat. is kind of cool. And it's something where um, there's an, an appraiser comes because there's some work of art in this family's house on this island, Peregrine Island, which doesn't exist. I looked to see if it existed. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, you know, made-up island. 
But um, and then you know all sorts of mystery and mayhem ensue. Very cool. So I love reading books that take place, you know, where I live and also with when water and islands and stuff are involved. I'm not a huge mystery reader, as you know, so it's kind of ironic that my two upcomings are mysteries. Yeah. Is it, is it weather related for you? Like, do you like it when it turns fall and you cuddle up with the mystery? Is that it? Or is it just chance? I think it's chance because really I keep saying ever since Grapes of Wrath, I'd like to read about cupcakes and love and, you know, this 12 lives of um, Samuel Hawley is pretty dark and, you know, so I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I really am looking for a page turner Mm -hmm. and I think that might be it because sometimes mysteries can, you know, obviously be a really good page turner. So I'm looking to get lost in a book. I haven't done that in a really long time Mm -hmm. and I love that feeling of just like, the time's going by and you don't even notice it and you've gotten totally, completely lost in a book. Yeah. And I think part of it is my own. I have so much going on right now in my work life and I've had a lot of guests and stuff that I'm having trouble concentrating. Mm -hmm. And so I think finding a book like that kind of really helps me turn my brain off, Mm -hmm. which I know sounds kind of funny, but it makes all that little white noise in my life go away. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm I'm desperately seeking that. So maybe I'll try a different genre that are known for that, you know. (laughs) Well, one of the books coming up is the new Stieg Larsson release. The Girl Who Takes an Eye for an Eye. And, of course, we know Stieg uh, Larson passed away, and uh, David Lagerkrantz is writing the series. Now, that comes out September 7th. So there is that. I know you like that series. You know, I didn't read the last one, though, the fourth, because I had feelings about the fact that Stieg Larson hadn't um, written it. But you did read it, I did read it, yeah. And I thought he did a a decent job of carrying on Elizabeth Salander's Hard ass, kick ass mm, nature. Okay. So I, I, and my mom read it too, and she thought it was pretty good. You know, okay. not, I, I hadn't personally come across anybody who was like, oh, yuck, it was awful. Okay. Well, that's a good one yeah. to think about. Yeah. So we'll see. So that, that will be eventually an upcoming one for me. I'm not sure how soon I'll get to that. One of the reads I'll be doing is the short stories of Willa Cather. Oh, nice. Yeah, with our friend, our booktopian friend Robin, and I are going to be reading her short stories together, or at least her published, those published in her lifetime. So that starts today. I think I'm going to read one a day. Perfect. Yeah, so I think that will be good. I did get a really cool arc in the the mail um, that was a follow-up from Book Expo when we were there. We chatted with the representatives from the Naval Institute Press. Yeah. And they sent one called OSS Operation Blackmail, One Woman's Covert War Against the Japan- the Imperial Japanese Army. And that's by Ann Todd, and that comes out September 15th. So that is at the top of my to-be-read pile. Very and that good. is about um, Elizabeth Betty Mc... Well, I can't even read my handwriting. Macintosh, it looks like. Elizabeth Betty, with nickname, Macintosh, so... Look forward cool. to that, yeah. Also on my list is It by Stephen King. Oh, that's a big one, That is isn't a it? big brick of a book. Yeah. And the movie's coming out. So, you know, I'm not really sure. I wanted to read it, but I don't know. I don't know. 
We need some dark days, people. I know. We need it to start getting dark at four again. <laughs> I am going to go see the movie. John said I could go with him. And oh, good. He can protect me from the scary clowns. So <laughs> I would invite you, but I know you're not into no. that kind of stuff. I saw Cujo in the theaters, and I was like having to do all this self-talk, like, it's just a dog, it's just the same Bernard, it's yeah. just frothing at the mouth, it's not going to hurt anybody really in real life, you're safe. I mean, it was just bad. Yeah. And I'm like, you know. You don't have to expose your nervous system to these things. <laughs> exactly, you know? yeah. Totally I, not worth it. I read Cujo. I never saw the movie, but okay. I, I did like the book, surprisingly. Yeah. I don't usually read books about animals, but I was in my high Stephen King phase back then, so. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I love the, the long days of summer. You know, it's changing. Last night, it was starting to get dark at 7.30, and I was like, ooh, right, Mm -hmm. that's about an hour and a half earlier than the heart of summer, you know? But then there was a part of me that's like, bring it on. I want some jammies and some movies and some books, you know? So um, I think there's something about those long summer days where you just feel like you have to keep cramming in activity Mm -hmm. that doesn't involve reading, you know? So I'm kind of ready. I am too. Some curled up couch time here. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to The Book Cougars with Emily Fine and Chris Wallach. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Book Cougars. Please consider leaving us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us. It can help other listeners find us. Thank you. Wow.